to Miles in the Mitten podcast, episode nine with Ryan Squanda and Colin Riley. Today is going to be a little bit different of a podcast. We don't have a guest today, uh, but it's sort of a special edition. We're just going to talk about Michigan athletes with some type of tie to Michigan, whether they went to here in high school, whether they trained here in college, or whether they just train here as a pro currently. We're talking about athletes at the Olympic trials from Michigan. It's a little early, but uh, I'm ready for this. How, how are you feeling, Colin? Yeah, it is like 12 hours earlier than we usually record. It is like 7.30, 8 in the morning. I'm coming to you from my classroom on the last day of school of 2021. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I went to the last track trials in Eugene in 2016. I, I made it out to the marathon trials, and it's always just amazing energy. I you know, geek out and become a bit of a super fan for these, these weeks leading into it. So I, I'm curious to hear your take from maybe the journalistic side. And you've prepared a, a beautiful stats document, which is a really nice thing to lean on as we talk about track here this morning. Yeah, we were, we were going through the start lists and status entries, just trying to find as many athletes as we could with a tie to Michigan. We probably didn't get all of them just because I think there's just so many, but I think we were able to lock down definitely m- most of like maybe the favorites from the state of Michigan to likely make the Olympic team. And as well as just like some other athletes that we know of and who will probably be cheering for when the trials get underway on Friday. How about you list the women that we know of competing in the trials with a tie to Michigan? Yeah. So, you know, first up in the hundred hurdles, uh, we got Grace Stark, who is a graduate of Lakeland High School in White Lake, Michigan. And as a freshman at Florida, she recently took fourth in D1 in the 100-meter hurdles uh, with her finals time of 12.89. Um, we also got Zaya Holman, a 400 runner from the University of Michigan. And Northville High School alumni, Chloe Abbott. In the 1500, we got Shannon Sika, who was a guest of our podcast earlier this year. Shout out Shannon. Yeah, shout out Shannon Nosika, fellow Waterford native. She's currently seated third in the 1500. Also in the 1500, you got Amanda Eccleston, who was fourth in the last trials. She is seated 26 right now. She's in the same training group with Shannon with the True Blue Elite. Some of the Hansons girls that train out of Rochester, Natasha Rogers, Olivia Pratt, Anne-Marie Blaney, Amy Davis. You know, none of them are from Michigan or ran from Michigan colleges, but we think it's cool that they you know, want to come here and train in Rochester. The steeplechase, Leah Fallon, uh, formerly O'Connor, she is seated sixth there. Uh, she was definitely probably one of the favorites in the last steeplechase. Had a lot of injuries, but she's back in the game now. As well as Emily Oren from uh, Hillsdale Product, NCAA Division II legend. And in the triple jump, we got Tori Franklin, Michigan State grad. Remember covering her a little bit when I went to MSU. And in the high jump, Quintella Johnson from Eastern Michigan recently had a good showing at the NCAA championships as well. Thank you, sir. Looking at the men. So starting in the 110 hurdles, we've got Freddie Crittenden, the third. He's seated third in the 110s with a seed of 1317. We'll talk about him a little bit. The 800, you've got the world champ, Donovan Brazier out of Grand Rapids, Kenowa Hills running for Nike. And then Mitchell Black, who we'll talk about a little later as well, out of a very nice track club. In the 1500, you know, the man needs no introduction. 
uh, the kid needs no introduction. He's, he's almost a man. Hobbs Kessler, the phenom from Ann Arbor Skyline. And then Brazier's entered in the 15. We'll talk about that too. 5K and 10K, you have Grant Fisher seated in both. He's, he's a favorite in both, top three out of Grand Blank. Also in the 5K with him will be Willie Fink, an EMU graduate, and Morgan Beatlescombe, who just represented Michigan State at the NCAA championships last weekend. Uh, Zach Panning of Grand Valley and now Hanson's Brooks is in the 10K as well. Uh, in the 3K steeplechase, you've got Mason Furlick, who's been on a tear this year. Very nice track club. We'll, we'll talk about him soon. Triple jump, Donald Scott representing Adidas and seated second in the championships. He has a wonderful chance to make the Olympic team. In the shot put, Ryan, you found a couple U of M throwers, John Meyer and Andrew Liskowitz. And then the decathlon, we've got three here. We've got Tim Earhart, Michigan State graduate, competing for the Santa Barbara Track Club. Samuel Black, who represented SVSU in college and Pinckney in high school. And then Solomon Simmons of Eastern Michigan University. Yeah, so that was just kind of like our, our quick rundown of you know, people that we were able to find. Again, you know, there's probably someone else out there, you know, there's probably, you know, as we like to talk about, you know, how Michigan is a, a great state for running and track and field. If anyone listening, I guess, knows of anyone that we missed, uh, I guess definitely let us know so we can be on the lookout for them as the trials get going. Totally. So I think this first segment, we got to talk about the rightfully seeded favorites, those who are in the top three per the, the entries. Uh, so we've got, I think, six or seven right here that have very, very realistic chances to make the team. And you know, if they didn't, it'd probably be an upset. So starting with the world champion, Donovan Brazier, won a gold medal for the United States at the Doha World Championships in 2019. He is an absolute stud. He's run 142. He's also got some legit 1500 chops uh, with a 335. I mean, it would be a humongous upset if, if Donovan does not A, make the team and B, win. I mean, I think he looked a little vulnerable last time he raced at the Portland Track Festival. But, you know, I think that's just because of the depth in American middle distance running and North American. I think he got taken to the line by Mexican athlete who I'm blanking on the name. But, you know, right behind him is going to be Bryce Hopple of Adidas, uh, ran for Kansas in college. And then you've got, you know, you've got favorites uh, from past championships like Clayton Murphy, who made the Olympic team and earned a bronze medal in Rio, uh, and then a ton of young guys. It always seems like there's a college kid who makes the Olympic team in the 800. But Donovan, I would say, you know, definitely an expectation that he goes to, to the Olympics and medals. And when he is on, I mean, he, he's fantastic. I think his training partner, Craig Engels, has said he's the most talented American track athlete right now. Uh, and kind of funny, Donovan thinks he could be a really good athlete in other sports. I want to say he thought he could be an NFL running back or something. Just yeah, him, I remember I saw that. Yeah, just give him time to train. And honestly, wouldn't be surprised. He reputedly runs like 35 miles a week and his longest runs like eight miles. But hey, when you're, when you're running the eight, I guess do what you need to do to get there. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. He's able to run the 335 off of his like 35, 40 mile weeks. I can't remember if it made the cut, but we were joking on like who runs more miles, Lucas and Aaron's dog, Mickey or, or Donovan Brazier. It did make uh, the cut. And the answer was definitively Mickey. 
Yeah, Mickey Mickey gets up there with the miles, I would say. Mickey runs probably more miles than me, honestly. <laughs> Should Mickey be our GLR 10th teammate? I think, yeah, maybe see if Lucas can get him on the plane to GLR. Totally. <laughs> yeah, so that's our first favorite, you know, Donovan Brazier in the 800. Our, our second favorite that we want to highlight here is Shane Nosika, who was earlier guest, as we mentioned on, on the pod. She is currently seated third in the 1500. Definitely, I think the, the door has opened up for a little bit, definitely with the Shelby Houlihan ban recently from testing positive for, for doping a few days ago. But even before that, we were saying that we think that she has like a pretty good shot of being able to make it in. She has come a long way, definitely, in the last five years since her, her last trials. We were just looking it up here recently. She made it to semifinals in the 2016 trials, and she, but she got, she got last place and failed to make the, the, the final that year. And just recently this year, she's, she's PR and she's peaking at the right time right now. I think maybe a month ago, she ran four flat in the 1500. So definitely a favorite from this podcast to be able to make the team and we'll definitely be cheering for Osika to make it to the Olympics. Yeah, Shannon just seemed like super calm, collected and believing in her process. And I've barely seen anything from her about her on social media, which I think is, I think she's flying under the radar a little bit despite being seated third. But, you know, even before Houlihan and that whole business dropped. I had Shannon picked on my team. You know, I think she's just shown to be tactically sound and, and incredibly quick at the end of a race. So I think you're going to see Shannon on the podium in Eugene regardless. In the 24 hours since Ryan and I recorded this podcast, so much has happened regarding the Houlihan ban. To sum it up in a nutshell, USATF was planning to actually let her race, uh, claiming that because her appeal process is still ongoing, that they wanted to allow her to run on the off chance that it could get overturned, which seems highly unlikely. But that was pretty quickly nixed by the U.S. Olympic Committee. There was a ton of backlash from the elite athlete community. The Clean Sport Collective posted uh, a statement which had been signed by a number of elite athletes in opposition to this decision. So long story short, Houlihan was out. She was back in briefly, and now she is out again. Next up, Grant Fisher. Seems like he's kind of one of Michigan's favorite sons. You know, I, I remember at the state meet, his senior year going after the four-minute barrier, just came up short, but then broke it a few weeks later. He's gone on to have a wonderful career at Stanford, All-American and national champion there, and now represents the Bowerman Track Club. You know, I, I do think that with, with Houlihan's ban from competition, that could be a pretty big mental impact on any of the Bowerman team. But I feel like if anyone can navigate it and compartmentalize that, it's Grant. He's seated second in the 10K and third in the 5K. 10K is going to be the first final of the championships this Friday night at 7.25 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So that's 10.25 Eastern time. He has incredible closing speed. He's got silky smooth form. And I just feel like he's adapted really well to Jerry Schumacher's system over the last year or so. And I would be surprised if he didn't make at least one, if not both of these teams. Can he make both like your, your boy, Galen Roth? <laughs> I think Grant can very well make both. I think that he actually has a better shot in the 10. I feel like he can hang to a fast pace. He's run 27, 11. He did that a couple months ago at the sound running 
think it was called the 10. You know, the 5K is typically a little more tactical. And I think he also has shown that he can close off of a slow pace. He can respond to kind of a scintillating, almost fartlek style. And, and he's hot right now. I mean, he won his heat of the 5K at the Portland Track Festival a couple of weeks ago and just looked super poised and, and honestly not like going to the well. He never looks like he's going to the well. I'm sure he does, but I'm going to say that right now. Fisher's going to make it in, in both teams. Let's go. <laughs> Let's hope so. That'd be sweet. I remember seeing him run a couple times because our high schools were both in the KLAA. So it's kind of like crazy remembering watching him run at like the KLAA meets when he was like 15 and now he's like about to make the Olympics or could make the Olympics, which is kind of like a similar thing with Shane Oshika. I remember like also running or watching her run when we were in like middle school. So it's kind of crazy to see how far like these these people have gone. But uh, moving on to our next favorite that we'd like to spotlight, Donald Scott in, in the triple jump representing Adidas, as, as you mentioned. He's currently seated second in the triple jump. He is an EMU product where he was an All-American. And we also believe he's a coach somewhere in Ipsy right now. He is seated second right now with a jump of 17.43 meters behind William Clay from Puma New York Athletic Club with a seat of 18 0.14 meters. Yeah, I mean, Donald Scott, I mean, I guess I think we would both admit that we were, we're not triple jump experts. I, I did try to do triple jump once at a NERCA track meet once. I faulted every single time. So uh, <laughs> I definitely have respect for, for these athletes that uh, do this event. And uh, I'll be rooting for Donald Scott. <laughs> totally. I would love to pick his brain and, and maybe he can teach you some technique. Yeah, I'm a fellow, we're fellow Eagles now since I go to EMU. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, with Christian Taylor out with an Achilles rupture and Will Clay seated first, I think Scott's a pretty solid second seed. But I guess I don't understand the, the technical events, the jumps, the field events quite as much with, with favorites and performances. I remember the, I want to say it was the 16 trials. You had all these incredible women in the 100 hurdles the high hurdles and the US team ended up not even having the world record holder on their team. It's just that's how hard they do say the United States track and field team is the hardest own pick team to make. I just like to add one more thing about Don Scott is another person who's come a long way. He was seventh at the trials in 2016. So to be seated second right now is definitely impressive in its own right. Yes, sir. All right, next up. He's an Ann Arbor boy, or at least he lives here now, and, and we see him running around quite a bit. Mason Furlick of the Very Nice Track Club, seated third in the 3K steeplechase. And I feel actually really confident on this one. I think Mason came into the season, came into the year pretty hot off of a nice cross-country win over Paul Chalimo. I was at that race in Terre Haute. That was a pretty cool win. And, and not even necessarily Mason's wheelhouse. I, he's a good cross-country runner, but... He's far better at his, his forte, the steeplechase. And he dropped a nasty 1500 uh, PR a couple weeks ago, the day after running 818 and winning the steeple at uh, the Portland Track Festival. So he's peaking at the right time. He seems super confident. Seems like he's maybe adjusted his process over the last couple of years to be just more holistic in his approach, less worrying about mileage and paces and, and more just you know, letting it flow. And he's obviously guided by the guru that is Ron Warhurst. And I think having the positive energy of training with Hobbs Kessler and having the wisdom of Nick Willis 
I mean, there's just, there's just something good going on down there at Ferry Field. So Mason Furlick will make the Olympic team. I'm saying it right now in the men's steeplechase. Uh, he is from Minnesota, but, you know, U of M product. And, you know, I think we can, we can hopefully claim him as Michiganders. Yeah, he, I mean, he lives in Ann Arbor, which I think it's like cool that, you know, you and I live in Ann Arbor and it's kind of cool that we're able to just see these guys like Hobbs and Nick Willis and Mason just out running sometimes. And I was driving to work the other day and I thought, so I thought I saw you running and I was coming up behind this person and I was about to roll my window down and yell like my trademark saying like, yell, who's this tryhard? But at the last second, I realized it was Mason. So I like had to like roll the window up real quick. So I wouldn't have like an awkward confrontation there. I wish you had yelled that. I feel like that might have lit a fire under him and carried him into the trials. Maybe, maybe. I hope so. I don't think he needs, he needs that though. No. Tangentially, we do see them around a lot. And on Tuesday, a couple days ago, uh, he and Very Nice Track Club ran their final hard workout before the trials. They did you know, a couple Harvard Hills, some Ridgeway Hills, then ran to the track. And fortuitously, I had done a Harvard and Ridgeway workout a few hours earlier. So I thought that was kind of a cool Easter egg there. But yeah, best of luck to Mason. I think he's, he's one of our subjective podcast favorites. And then just, just two more that we, we'd like to highlight here who are also seated currently in the, in the top three. So we're saying that it kind of makes them the favorite. Sorry, we got a lot of tabs open here at the Miles Limited podcast this morning. We got Freddie Crintenden third from the Phoenix Track Club, currently seated with a mark of 13.17 seconds. He went to high school in Utica, Michigan, and uh, trained in college at Syracuse. We, we read a story from, from our other podcast guest earlier, earlier this week. I don't think it was published earlier this week, maybe like a year ago, but Jeff Hallball wrote a story about him last year, kind of heading into the trials. He's, he's looking like a favorite, but definitely uh, the 110 hurdles looks to be like a very deep event. And again, uh, we're not super experts in, in the sprints or, or jumps or throws or anything. I, I do know that, you know, starts are important. If you're looking for super expert, then, then visit episode six, Miles the Mitten, and listen to the almost hour and a half long episode with Jeff Holliba. He's the man. He's the guru of Michigan running. And I kind of <laughs> hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because I know he's going to find like five to six, maybe not errors, but like things we missed. He's probably <laughs> going to like tweet at us. He's going to be like, yeah, you guys missed like eight people. And be like, oh, dang. <laughs> and tell us about Tori Franklin. Uh, yeah, Tori Franklin, she is seated third currently in, in the triple jump with a leap of 14.36 meters, which is a you know, sizable advantage. She has over fourth place, Lenika Pitts, 14.07 meters. But again, you know, it all comes down to, you know, how they perform at trials. Definitely, you know, triple jump is a, is a tricky event for sure. Uh, right now she is behind Katura Orji and Jasmine Moore. She went to Michigan State, I remember. She was really good at the triple jump and the, the long jump. I remember I interviewed her a couple times in, in college at the Big Ten track and field championships when they won in 2015. You and I were both there covering it. We were uh, the media, media corpse. That, that is crazy to think that you and I were, were both covering the same meet. Was that the, I think that's the only time that ever happened. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, of this list, you and I have interviewed and covered a bunch of these athletes before I interviewed Mason at Mason and Shannon at that same meet. And then I think we collaborated. Didn't we, didn't we dual interview 
Leo Connor then, now Leah Fallon? Yes, which segues us to our next segment, which is more of contenders. Uh, I don't know if dark horse is the right word, but uh, Leah Fallon, you know, formerly Leah O'Connor, she was a you know, national champion and stud for Michigan State and you know, had a promising start to her pro career, but I believe ruptured her plantar fascia during the last Olympic trials final in 2016 and has had several difficult years trying to claw her way back to being a national class runner. And she has accomplished that. She's running for the relatively new On Athletics Club out of Boulder, training under Dayton Ritzenheim, another Michigan legend and multi-Olympian himself. And she, I think, is going to run well. I think Dayton's going to prepare that whole team really well. And she's shown really good fitness over the last like six months. She is seated sixth in the steeplechase with a seat time of 928. She ran 918 in 2016. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, in the women's steeple for the last really almost decade, it's basically been Emma Coburn, Courtney Frerichs, and Colleen Quigley. It's always been those three. And I think that, you know, I love that Colleen has launched a new stage of her career. She represents Lululemon in kind of a less traditional sponsorship model. And I think she's got a ton of energy and she's a phenomenal athlete. But being frank, like we haven't seen much out of her racing wise lately. I mean, she ran a really good 3K, a flat 3K a few months ago, but she, I believe she, her first steeple of the season is going to be at the trials. And just knowing what I know about championship meets, I do think the cream of the crop rises, but I also think that if you're not even close to hundred percent, if you're 95%, I think that opens the door for athletes like Leah to sneak in there. So uh, wishing Leah the best. She's had a long journey to get back here. And I wouldn't be super surprised if she was in that third to, to fifth range. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely be room for, her. I remember having an opportunity to write a story about her back at Michigan state. And I was a uh, pretty sad when I saw, cause she was like right there in the last trials going into like the last two or three laps, I think uh, before she like kind of fell off like that. She didn't fall off, but she kind of like stepped weird off like that last steeple and then kind of shuffled in. But yeah, I mean, that 918 that she ran in 2016, like at that point, that was the third fastest time ever by an American woman. So um, it's just crazy to see how far the women's steeple has come just in uh, that short amount of time. But you are right. The Colburn, Quigley, and Frederick's are definitely the favorites there. But if, if Leah is able to you know, sneak up there and, and grab a spot, that would definitely be a pretty cool redemption story after not even steepling for four years from 2017 to 2021. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, watching that event. And then uh, another contender that we have, uh, another EMU product. They got, they got a pretty good program and alumni kind of going on there over there in Ipsy. They do. Uh, Solomon Simmons in the decathlon. He is currently fifth. Thank you, Colin. With uh, 8,227 points for his mark. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for, for the, the decathlon. I remember, you know, covering or the Big Ten track and field track meet at MSU. And I kind of followed around along Michigan State steeplers and sort of like Lord Story that weekend. I was just kind of, I think it's very admirable how they're able to be so good at all of those events. And Solomon Simmons, definitely a contender there, sitting there in fifth for the Multi Stars Incorporated. 
and he has international level experience. He finished second at the 2018 outdoor championships. And in 2019, he qualified for the world championships in Doha. So, so he has competed on that stage and uh, understands what that, what that means. Our next and final contender, and make no mistake, he, he has a shot, is the high schooler, recently 18, I think, Hobbs Kessler, who's coming off a close runner-up finish with his team, Skyline, to the Novi team in the 4 by 8 Incredible last leg where Kessler got the baton four seconds down and, and split a 147.9. Uh, he came back and won pretty easily in the 1600, super tactical. I think he ran like 416 or something silly. And then pretty impressive 800. He was boxed in with, with 500 to go and, and made his way back into contention and snuck by on the inside lane, which I thought was, was a little lucky that the inside lane opened up, but he might have still found a way if he had to go around Miles um, Brown and, and the Granville athlete. But Hobbs has bigger, bigger goals than just beating high schoolers. He came off an incredible 334-1500 performance at the Portland Track Festival, where not only did he set the U.S. high school record, but he ran faster than the collegiate record. So he comes into these trials seated fourth in the 1500. And on paper, you know, you look at that and you think, oh, he's going to get third, he's going to get fourth, he's going to get fifth. But I do think, and, I, and I, I hate to temper some of the Hobbs mania, you know, this is going to be his first experience navigating three rounds at a national level meet. He's shown that he can run super well in quickly paced races. He's shown that he can navigate more tactical races. But I'm curious to see how is he going to get through these, these rounds? And oftentimes the prelims and the semis can be really, really rough. And he's a strong guy, but, but he just doesn't have a ton of experience. And, and I'm curious how that will shine through. But honestly, like he would not surprise me if he made it to the final. He would not surprise me if he was top five. And you know what? Like I'm not going to be surprised if he squeaks into, into third. Yeah, I think that'd be super exciting if the 18-year-old high schooler could like get into the Olympics there. Yeah, again, I know I agree with you that he probably hasn't navigated the process of like, you know, prelim semifinals and, and finals yet. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, he, he did you know, pull off like a pretty impressive triple, I guess, at the state main track. So he definitely has maybe some experience running on tired legs, but it's definitely going to be a whole different animal um, running against uh, world class athletes like he's going to be at the Olympic trials. Yeah. And I think I'm glad you brought that up. I, I do think that the state meet was a, you know, a simulation of navigating those rounds. I would have loved to see him in the 3200 selfishly, but I, I get it. Um, <laughs> and, and I know that Ron's been preparing him well, you know, you, you see some of the workouts they're doing and pretty incredible splits in the Michigan workout. And we hear he sandbags the hills when they start with Ridgeway or Harvard's, but he always brings it on, on the track. I think he tuned up with with some, some quicker descending 400s um, on Tuesday. So wishing Hobbs the best. And what I loved is he said, like, I have nothing to lose. Like I'm coming in here to get experience for, for 2024. And I think he'll be one of the interesting stories of the trials with does he go pro as an 18 year old or does he hold up his commitment to run for NAU in the fall? 
I, I think that's a super, super difficult choice. And I don't, I don't envy him or his family in navigating it, but I'm sure they will make the decision that is best for him. All right, a couple more segments. We'd like to move on and recognize kind of in the spirit of our podcast, some athletes from Michigan or who represent Michigan, live in Michigan that aren't maybe going to get covered anywhere else. And there's three names that we've picked out as people that we'd like to run well and, and we think are cool stories. So I'll begin with Hobbs's teammate in the very nice track club, Mitchell Black. Mitchell is the fourth horseman, as he's called, I think, of the, the very nice track club and does not get the media coverage of his more accomplished teammates, but he has pretty incredible foot speed and has run 147 in the 800 this season. I believe that's a PR and he is the 32nd of 32 accepted entries into the men's 800 at these trials. And he found that out, I think within the last week. So he's got kind of that, that feel good momentum of, of just making the meet, but, but I'm sure he has higher goals than just making it. I wouldn't be surprised to see him level up. And, you know, I think making it to the semis would be an awesome performance for him and he he has practice out kicking people he out kicked me at the ann arbor turkey trot 5k a few years ago so i think uh selfishly i'd (laughs) I'd like to see mitchell you know make it to the semis another person that we'd like to highlight is emily oren hillsdale track and field legend i I would say Uh, she's a nine-time national champ in various types of you know cross-country track I remember Emily just lighting up D2. I mean, when I covered the D2 national champs at Grand Valley, she and her sister just I loaded up a bunch of points between the steeple and, and the 5K. And she, she trains with Leah in the On Athletics Club out of Boulder. And I think Dathan has said that not only is she a wonderful training partner, but she's just got really good positive energy, kind of that Midwest down to earth work ethic, get after it attitude. And I just feel like those teams that are really well coached, and I've been impressed with Dathan over the last year, I think she's just going to show up and, and perform pretty well. Yeah, she is seated 22nd right now, a seed time of 9.41, which, you know, again, you know, we talk about the people who have come a long way. You go back to the steeplechase in 2016 at the Olympic trials. She was 30th with a 10.12. So a lot, a lot of these athletes have definitely come a long way over the years. Another athlete I'd like to highlight is Northville High School alumni, Chloe Abbott, who's racing in the women's 400 at 7.30 p.m. tonight. She is the first female Northville track and field alum to compete in the Olympic trials and the second overall after Alia Rastu in the 400 hurdles back in 2012. Chloe is a professional athlete for on running as well as pursuing her other passions of singing and acting. And it's really cool to see how far she's come since she was winning state titles for Northville five years ago and now to the starting line of the Olympic trials. So best of luck, Chloe. And then our our last person that we're kind of just going to spotlight here is, you know, people that we're going to be kind of like watching out for. Tim Earhart, a decathlete for the Santa Barbara Track Club. I did, I wrote a story about him uh, back in 2015 when, when I was following him around the Big Ten Track and Field Championships. He was a great, great dude. I remember uh, interviewing him back then this is the second trials he got 17th in, in 2016 uh right now he is currently seated eighth so definitely you know he, he might be in the mix for for a good showing there and we'll definitely be rooting for some for some fellow spartans go green all right for this final segment let's just talk about some events that we're looking forward to watching 
Ryan, maybe if you want to start, who are some athletes or are there any events that, that you're really excited to, to follow? I mean, I would just say I'm like excited to watch all of the, the distance events, honestly, like if we're being real. And, you know, what's kind of like cool is that all of those events do have Michigan athletes in them, which is kind of like a, a testament to the state of Michigan running. But we, I mean, what do we got? Like 800 all the way up to like the 10K. I think there's someone from Michigan in like every, every event. So that's, that's basically what, what I'm kind of looking forward to most. Sure. I'm specifically looking forward to the men's 5K. And then both 10Ks. So I guess starting with the 10Ks, you know, men's 10K Friday night, I think that race is going to be pretty honest. You've got guys who like to push the pace or at least keep a steady pace going up front. I think Joe Klecker, he seated like six, but I, I have him on my team. You've got guys who are racing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Eric Jenkins finished fourth place in the, in the trials 5K. And I remember at, uh, at Taylor's, which is the kind of legendary Eugene Barr afterwards, our friend Chase went up and, and basically told him, it's okay, buddy, it's going to be fine. So hoping, hoping the best for Eric. I think he's, he's going to run really well. But both 5 and 10K is kind of the Bowerman Track Club show. But I do think that in the 10, you've got more of a chance for guys like Ben True, Jenkins, and Klecker to break in there. Another interesting storyline in the men's 10K is Galen Rupp. Olympic silver medalist at that distance in 2012 and bronze in the marathon in 2016. He's again, focusing on the marathon in Tokyo, trying to medal again, but appears like he's running these couple 10 K races as tune-ups and, you know, it looks like it's gonna be pretty hot in Eugene. And I wouldn't be surprised if Galen was able to finish in the top five, not that that's his, his focus trying to make the Olympic team in the 10 K, but it certainly adds a interesting dynamic to the race in the five. That's going to be awesome. I, I think Fisher makes that team. You've got Olympic medalist and world championship medalist, Paul Chalimo. You've got to consider him to be the favorite. And then like Lopez Lamong and some younger guys, you know, Cooper Tira, the University of Oregon is, you know, he just won a national championship at his home track, Hayward Field. So I'm just looking forward to seeing those two. And then, you know, the men's 15 is loaded. And I think they're running with a chip on their shoulder as an event because the let's run pundits and flow track and all those guys have just been ragging on them for, for about a year now. And they're all dropping good times and, and performances when it, when it matters. I stumbled upon the fact that Al Prairier was actually in the steeple for the Olympic trials in 2016. And she got like 28th or something like that with like a 1008, which is like not even in the conversation for like anything, but you know, definitely it's always cool to like be there. But now she's like a favorite to, you know, potentially maybe like even win the, the 1500, uh, which is, you know, again, like some of these athletes just like incredible how far that they've been able to come over the course of five years. That is true. It has been five years. And then it's only going to be three until 24. So I think this trials, the younger athletes are more at an advantage the ones who just are out of college a year or two years ago are the ones who are building into the prime of their career. Whereas I think if you have older athletes who are still incredible, like I'll use Jenny Simpson as an example, she's been an insanely consistent performer at, you know, steeplechase and then more recently 1500 over the last decade. And we haven't seen much from her. And I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if she made the final and, and squeaked in on the team, but I also wouldn't be that surprised if she struggled a bit, you know, Molly Huddle, American record holder in, the 10K, she scratched. 
she scratched and she will not be racing. She just has not looked herself. So I, I do think the extra year helped a lot of athletes, but I, but I think athletes may be more in the twilight of their career. It's, it's not an advantage to them. That about wraps it up for us here today. I think, what do you have to teach a class in four minutes right now? Yeah, I got some students coming in in four minutes, but uh, are they like knocking on the door? No, the door's unlocked. So I should, we should probably finish in the next three and a half minutes. You got any like track athletes in your next class? Oh yeah. I got track athletes in all my classes, <laughs> which is, which is cool. You're probably excited that today's the last day of school. So you can just like watch track all the time. Do you it, think, it, how, how are you going to, I know you're going to a wedding this weekend. How are you going to like sneak watching track without Abby knowing? <laughs> I did broach this with Abby and I think I will try to record the 10 K maybe, maybe tune in for like the last couple laps, but you don't want to be that guy at a wedding over at the table watching something. So I will definitely be watching track every other night <laughs> of the next, of the next like eight, 10 days. And with another guest, you know, John Reed, her dad, do you think John Reed would try and watch some track on his phone at a wedding? Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. I can almost guarantee you he would. In fact, he might, he might send me a text once he hears this and say, you, you watch that 10 K. <laughs> I, I have class at 10 AM. I think I'm going to go buy some super discounted shoes at uh, REI. This episode is sponsored by the REI co-op. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely join the co-op if you haven't. If if this makes it in, which maybe it will, it's kind of funny. Uh, definitely pay the $20, join the co-op. This is the most promotion I've done besides when I'm actually at work. But yeah, last week I sold 11 memberships, man. That's a big PR. Hey, we're looking forward to watching track. So we'll see you guys on the other side of the TV screen.